0: Chapter 7 of Sylvia's Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Mackenzie. Sylvia's Lovers by Elizabeth Gaskell. Chapter 7 Tete a Tete, The Will. And now, tell me all about Fork at Home, said Philip, evidently preparing to walk back with the girls. He generally came to Hayter's Bank every Sunday afternoon. "'so Sylvia knew what she had to expect "'the moment she became aware of his neighbourhood in the churchyard. "'Me faith has been sadly troubled with his rheumatics this week past, "'but he's a vast better now, thank you kindly.' "'Then, addressing herself to Molly, she asked, "'Is your cousin a doctor to look after him?' "'I for sure,' said Molly quickly, "'for though she knew nothing about the matter, "'she was determined to suppose that her cousin had everything, "'becoming an invalid as well as a hero.' "'He's well to do, and can afford everything as he needs,' continued she. "'His faith left him money, and he were a farmer out up in Northumberland, "'and he's reckoned such a specksion here as never, never was. "'And guess what wage he asks for, and a share on every whaley harpoon's beside?' "'I reckon he'll have to make himself scarce on this coast for a while at any rate,' said Philip. "'And what for should he?' Asked Molly, who never liked Philip at the best of times, and now, if he was going to disparage her cousin in any way, was ready to take up arms and do battle. Why, they do say as he fired the shot as has killed some of the men o wars men, and of course, if he has, he'll have to stand his trial if he's caught. What lies people do say! Exclaimed Molly. He never killed nought but whales. I'll be bound. Or if he did, it were all right and proper as he should, when they were for stealing him and all others, and he'd kill poor Darley as we could for seeing him buried. I suppose, now you're such a quaker at that, if someone was to break through for other side this dyke and offer to murder Sylvia and me, you'd look on wi your hands hanging by your side. But press gang had Laura on their side, and were doing naught no but what they'd warrant for. The tender's gone away as if she were ashamed of what she'd done, said Sylvia, and flags down for over the randy vows. There'll be no more press gagging here a while. No, Father says, continued Molly, as they've made place too hot told em, "'Coming so strong afore people are getting used to their ways of catching up poor lads just come for Greenland seas. Folks had their blood so up they think no harm fighting em in the streets. I'm a killing em too if they were for using firearms, as Aurora's men did. Women is so fond of bloodshed, said Philip. For to you talk Who'd have thought he'd just come for crying over the grave of a man who was killed by violence? should have thought you would seen enough of what sorrow comes a-fighting. Why, them lads on Aurora, as they say Kinraid shot down, had fathers and mothers, maybe, looking out for him to come home. I don't think he could have killed him, said Sylvia. He looked so gentle. But Molly did not like this half-and-half view of the case. I dare say he did kill them dead. He's not one to do things by halves. "'And I think he served him reet. "'That's what I do.' Isn't it this Esther that serves in Foster's shop?' "'asked Sylvia in a low voice, "'as a young woman came through a stile "'in the stone wall by the roadside "'and suddenly appeared before them. "'Yes,' said Philip. "'Why, Esther? where have you been?' "'he asked as they drew near. "'Hester reddened a little "'and then replied in her slow, quiet way, "'I've been sitting with Betsy Darley, "'er that is bedridden.' it were lonesome for her when the others were away at the burying and she made as though she would have passed but sylvia all her sympathies alive for the relations of the murdered man wanted to ask more questions and put her hand on hester's arm to detain her a moment hester suddenly drew back a little reddened still more and then replied fully and quietly to all sylvia asked in the agricultural counties and among the class to which these four persons belonged there is little analysis of motive or comparison of characters and actions, even at this present day of enlightenment. Sixty or seventy years ago there was still less. I do not mean that amongst thoughtful and serious people there was not much reading of such books as Mason on self-knowledge and Law's serious call, or that there were not the experiences of the Wesleyans that were related at class meeting for the edification of the hearers, but Taken as a general ride, it may be said that few knew what manner of men they were, compared to the numbers now who are fully conscious of their virtues, qualities, failings and weaknesses, and who go about comparing others with themselves, not in a spirit of pharisaism and arrogance, but with a vivid self-consciousness that more than anything else deprives characters of freshness and originality. To return to the party, we left standing on the high-raised footway that rang alongside of the bridle-road to Hattersbank. Sylvia had leisure in her heart to think, How good Hester is for sitting with the poor bedridden sister of Darley! without having a pang of self depreciation in the comparison of her own conduct with that she was capable of so fully appreciating. She had gone to church for the ends of vanity, and remained to the funeral for curiosity and the pleasure of the excitement. In this way, a modern young lady would have condemned herself, and therefore lost the simple, purifying pleasure of admiration of another. "'Hester passed onwards, going down the hill towards the town. "'The other three walked slowly on. "'All were silent for a few moments, then Sylvia said, "'How good she is!' "'And Philip replied with ready warmth, "'Yes, she is. "'No one knows how good but us who live in the same house with her.' "'A mother is no Quakeress, isn't she?' Molly inquired. "'Alice Rose is a friend, if that is what you mean,' said Philip. "'Well, well, some folks so particular. "'Is William Coulson a Quaker, by which I mean, a friend?' "'Yes, they're all on em right down, good folk.' "'Deary me, what a wonder you can speak to such sinners as Sylvia and me, "'after keeping company with so much goodness,' said Molly, "'who had not yet forgiven Philip for doubting Kinraid's power of killing men. "'Isn't it, Sylvia?' "'But Sylvia was too highly strung for banter.' if she had not been one of those who went to mock but remained to pray she had gone to church with the thought of the cloak that was to be uppermost in her mind and she had come down the long church stair with life and death suddenly become real to her mind the enduring sea and hills forming a contrasting background to the vanishing away of man she was full of a solemn wonder as to the abiding place of the souls of the dead and a childlike dread lest the number of the elect should be accomplished before she was included therein. How people could ever be merry again after they had been at a funeral she could not imagine. So she answered gravely, and slightly beside the question, I wonder if I was a friend, if I should be good. Gimme your red cloak, that's all, when you turn quaker. They'll none let thee wear scarlet, so it'll be of no use to thee. I think thou art good enough as thou art, said Philip tenderly. At least as tenderly as he durst, for he knew by experience that it did not do to alarm her girlish coyness. Either one speech or the other made Sylvia silent, neither was accordant to her mood of mind, so perhaps both contributed to her quietness. Folks say William Coulson looks sweet on Esther Rose, said Molly, always up in Monkshaven gossip. It was in the form of an assertion, but was said in the tone of a question, and as such Philip replied to it yes i think he likes her a good deal but he's so quiet i never feel sure john and jeremiah would like the match I have a notion and now they came to the stile which had filled philip's eye for some minutes past though neither of the others had perceived they were so near it the stile which led to moss brow from the road into the fields that sloped down to Haytersbank. bank here they would leave molly and now would begin the delicious tete-a-tete walk which philip always tried to make as lingering as possible to-day he was anxious to show his sympathy with Sylvia as far as he could read what was passing in her mind. But how was he to guess the multitude of tangled thoughts in that unseen receptacle? A resolution to be good, if she could, and always to be thinking on death, so that what seemed to her now as simply impossible might come true, that she might dread the grave as little as her bed, a wish that Philip were not coming home with her a wonder if the spectioneer really had killed a man an idea which made her shudder yet from the awful fascination about it her imagination was compelled to dwell on the tall gaunt figure and try to recall the wan countenance a hatred and desire of revenge on the press-gang so vehement that it sadly militated against her intention of trying to be good all these notions and wonders and fancies were whirling about in Sylvia's brain and at one of their promptings, she spoke. How many miles away is Greenland Seed? I mean, how long do they take to reach? I don't know. Ten days or a fortnight or, or more, maybe. I'll, I'll ask. Oh, Father will tell me all about it. he has been there many a time. I say, Sylvie, my aunt said I were to give you lessons this winter, writing and ciphering. I can begin to come up now, two evenings, maybe a week. Shop closes early after November comes in. Sylvia did not like learning and did not want him for her teacher. So she answered in a dry little tone, "'It'll use a deal of candlelight. Mother'll not like that. "'I can't see to spell out a candle close at my elbow.' "'Never mind about candles. I can bring up a candle with me, "'for I shall be burning one at Alice Roses.' So that excuse would not do. Sylvia beat her brains for another. "'Writing cramps my hands, so can't do any sewing for a day after, and Feather wants his shirts very bad. But, Sylvia, I'll teach you geography, and ever such a vast of fine things about countries, on Map. Is Arctic seas down, on Map? she asked in a tone of greater interest. Yes, arctics and tropics and equator, and equinoctial line, we'll take em turn and turn about, we'll do writing and ciphering one night, geography other. Philip spoke with pleasure at the prospect, but Sylvia relaxed into indifference. I'm no scholar. It's like throwing away labour to teach me I'm such a dunce at my book. Now there's Betsy Corny, third girl, her is as younger than Molly. She'd be a credit to you. There never was such a lass of pottery in books. If Philip had had his wits about him, he would have pretended to listen to this proposition of a change of pupils, and then possibly Sylvia might have repented making it but he was too much mortified to be diplomatic me aunt asked me to teach you a bit not any neighbour's lass well if i mun be taught i mun but i'd rather be whipped and i done with it was sylvia's ungracious reply a moment afterwards she repented of her little spirit of unkindness and thought that she should not like to die that night without making friends sudden death was very present in her thoughts since the funeral so she instinctively chose the best method of making friends again, and slipped her hand into his as he walked a little suddenly at her side. She was half afraid, however, when she found it firmly held, and that she could not draw it away again without making what she called in her own mind a fuss. So, hand in hand, they slowly and silently came up to the door of Hatersbank Farm, not unseen by Bell Robson, who sat in the window seat with her Bible open upon her knee. She had read her chapter aloud to herself, and now she could see no longer, even if she had wished to read more. But she gazed out into the darkening air, and a dim look of contentment came like moonshine over her face when she saw the cousins approach. "'That's my bread, day and night,' said she to herself. But there was no unusual aspect of gladness on her face, as she lighted the candle to give them a more cheerful welcome. Where's Father? asked Sylvia, looking round the room for Daniel. He's been to Kirkmore Side Church for see a bit of the world, as he cas it. And sin then he's gone out cattle for Kester's day in his turn of playing himself now that father's better. I've been talking to Sylvia, said Philip, his head still full of his pleasant plan, his hand still tingling from the touch of hers, about turning schoolmaster and coming up here two nights a week for teacher teach her a bit of writing and ciphering. And geography, put in Sylvia, for thought she if i'm to learn them things i don't care a pin about anywhere i'll learn what i do care to know if it'll tell me about greenland season how far they're off that same evening a trio alike in many outward circumstances sat in a small neat room in a house opening out of a confined court on the hilly side of the high street of monkshaven a mother her only child and the young man who silently loved that daughter and was favoured by alice rose though not by hester when the latter returned from her afternoon's absence she stood for a minute or two on the little flight of steep steps whitened to a snowy whiteness the aspect of the whole house partook of the same character of irreproachable cleanliness it was wedged up into a space which necessitated all sorts of odd projections and irregularities in order to obtain sufficient light for the interior and if ever the being situated in a dusky confined corner might have been made an excuse for dirt alice rose's house had that apology yet the small diamond panes of glass in the casement window were kept so bright and clear that a great sweet-scented leaf geranium grew and flourished though it did not flower profusely the leaves seemed to fill the air with fragrance as soon as hester summoned up energy enough to open the door perhaps that was because the young quaker william coulson was crushing one between his finger and thumb while waiting to set down alice's next words for the old woman who looked as if many years of life remained in her yet was solemnly dictating her last will and testament it had been on her mind for many months for she had something to leave beyond the mere furniture of the house something a few pounds in the hands of john and jeremiah foster her cousins and it was they who had suggested the duty on which she was engaged she had asked William Coulson to write down her wishes, and he had consented, though with some fear and trepidation, for he had an idea that he was infringing on a lawyer's prerogative, and that, for aught he knew, he might be prosecuted for making a will without a license, just as a man might be punished for selling wine and spirits without going through the preliminary legal forms that give permission for such a sale. But, to his suggestion that Alice should employ a lawyer, she had replied, That would cost me five pounds sterling and thee canst do it as well if thee'll but attend to my words so he had bought at her desire a black edged sheet of fine wove paper and a couple of good pens on the previous saturday and while waiting for her to begin her dictation and full serious thought himself he had almost unconsciously made the grand flourish at the top of the paper which he had learnt at school and which was there called a spread eagle what are they doing there asked alice suddenly alive to his proceedings "'Without a word he showed her his handiwork. "'It's a vanity,' said she, "'and may make will not stand. "'Folk may think I win in my right mind "'if they see such fly-legs and cobwebs at top. "'Right, this is my doing, William Coulson, "'and none of Alice Rose's, she being in her sound mind.' "'I, I don't think it's needed,' said William. "'Nevertheless,' he wrote down the words, thee put that I am in my sound mind in seven senses?' They make the sign of the Trinity, and write, In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Is that the right way of beginning a will? said Coulson, a little startled. My father, and my father's father, and my husband had it atop of theirs, and I'm not going for it to cease for following after them, for they were godly men, though my husband wear up Episcopal persuasion. It's done, said William. "As the dated it, asked Alice. Nay, then date it, third day, ninth month now art ready coulson nodded i alice rose do leave my furniture that is my bed and chest of drawers for my bed and things is thine and not mine and settle and saucepans and dresser and table and kettle and all the rest of me furniture to my lawful and only daughter hester rose i think that's safer to have all in't not william i think so too said he writing on all the time "'and thee shall have roller and pasteboard, "'because thee's so fond of puddings and cakes. it will serve thy wife after I'm gone, "'and I trust she'll boil her paste long enough. "'That's been secret o' mine, "'and thee'll no one be so easy to please.' "'I didn't reckon on marriage,' said William. "'Thee'll marry,' said Alice. "'Thee likes to have thy victuals hot and comfortable, "'and there's no one many but a wife "'as'll look after that foot please thee.' "'I know who could please me,' sighed forth William.' "'But I can't please her.' "'Alice looked sharply at him from over her spectacles, "'which he had put on the better "'to think about the disposal of her property. "'Vee art thinking on our Esther,' said she plainly out. "'He started a little, but looked up at her and met her eyes. "Esther cares no one for me,' said he dejectedly. By a while, my lad,' said Alice kindly. "'Young women don't always know their own minds.' thee and her would make a marriage after my own heart and the lord has been very good to me hitherto and i think he'll bring it to pass but don't thee let on as thee cares for her so much i sometimes think she wearies of thy looks and thy ways show up thy manly art, and make as though thee had much else to think on and no leisure for to dawdle after her and she'll think a deal more on thee and now mend thy pen for a fresh start i give and bequeath did thee put give and bequeath at beginning nay said william looking back thee didst not tell me it given bequeath then it won't be legal and my bit of furniture will be taken to london and put in chancery and esther will have no on it i can write it over said william well write it clear then and put a line under it to show those are my special words as they done it then now start afresh i give and bequeath my book of sermons as is bound in good calfskin and lies on the third shelf at corner cupboard at the right hand at fireplace to Philip Hepburn, for I reckon he's as fond of reading sermons as they are to light, well-boiled paste, and I'd be glad for each on ye to have some what ye like for to remember me by. Is that down? There. Now, for me cousins John and Jeremiah. They're rich at world's gear, but they'll prize what I leave em if I could only on bethink me what they would like. I can... Isn't that our Esther's step? Put it away, quick. I'm known for grieving her with telling her what I've been about. We'll take a turn at will next first day. It will serve us for several Sabbaths to come, and maybe I can think on something as will suit Cousin John and Cousin Jeremiah afore then. Hester, as was mentioned, paused a minute or two before lifting the latch of the door. When she entered, there was no unusual sign of writing about, only Will Coulson looking very red and crushing and smelling at the geranium leaf. Hester came in briskly with the little stock of enforced cheerfulness she had stopped at the door to acquire, but it faded away along with a faint flush of color in her cheeks, and the mother's quick eye immediately noted the one heavy look of care. I've kept a pot in oven; it'll have almost got a goodness out o' tea by now, for it'll be an hour since I made it. Poor lass, thou looks as if thou needed a good cup of tea. It would dreary work seem wi' Betsy Darley were it, and how does she look on her affliction? She takes it sore to art, said Hester, taking off her hat and folding and smoothing away her cloak before putting them in the great oak chest, or ark, as it was called, in which they were laid from Sunday to Sunday. As she opened the lid, a sweet scent of dried lavender and rose leaves came out. William stepped hastily forwards to hold up the heavy lid for her. She lifted up her head, looked at him full with her serene eyes, and thanked him for his little service. Then she took a creepy stool, and sat down on the side of the fireplace, having her back to the window. The hearth was of the same spotless whiteness as the steps. All that was black about the grate was polished to the utmost extent. All that was of brass like the handle of the oven was burnished bright. Her mother placed the little black earthenware teapot, in which the tea had been stewing, on the table, where cups and saucers were already set for four, and a large plate of bread and butter cut. Then they sat round the table, bowed their heads, and kept silence for a minute or two. When this grace was ended, and they were about to begin, Alice said, as if without premeditation, but in reality with a keen shrinking of heart out of sympathy with her child, Philip would have been into his tea by now, I reckon, if he'd been coming. William looked up suddenly at Hester. Her mother carefully turned her head another way, but she answered quite quietly. He'll be gone to his aunt's at Hater's bank. I met him at, top at Brow with his cousin and Molly Coney. Is a deal there? Said William. Yes, said Esther. It's likely him and his aunt come from Galway and must needs cling together in these strange parts. I saw him at the burying a young darling. Said William. It were a vaster people went past entry end. Said Alice. It were almost like election time. "'I was just come back for a meeting "'when they're all going up church steps. "'I met yon sailor, as they say, "'used violence and did murder. "'He looked like a ghost, "'though whether it were his bodily wounds "'or the sense of his sins stirring within him, "'it's not for me to say. "'And by the time I was back here "'and settled to me Bible, "'folk were a-turning, "'and it would tramp, tramp past entry "'and for better a quarter of an hour.' "'They say Kinraid is getting slugs "'and gunshot in his side,' said Hester. "'He's never one Charlie Kinraid for sure, as I knowed at Newcastle,' "'said William Coulson, roused her sudden energetic curiosity. "'I don't know,' replied Esther. "'They call him just Kinraid, "'and Betsy Darley says he's a most daring spectioneer "'of all that go off this coast at Greenland Seas. "'But he's been in Newcastle. "'For a mind me she said "a poor brother met with him there. "'How didst thee come to know him?' inquired Alice. "'I cannot abide him if it is, Charlie,' said William he kept company with my poor sister as is dead for better a two year and then he left off coming to see her and went with another girl and it just broke her heart he don't look now as if he ever could play at that game again said alice he has had a warning for it lord whether it be a call no one can tell but to my eye he looks as if he had been called and was going then he'll meet my sister said william solemnly and i hope the lord will make it clear to him then how he killed her as sure as he shot down yon sailors, and if there's a gnashing o' teeth for murder in that other place, I reckon he'll have his share on. He's a bad man, yon. Betsy said he was such a friend to her brother as never was, and he sent her word and promised to go and see her first place he goes out to. But William only shook his head and repeated his last words He's a bad man he is. When Philip came home that Sunday night, he found only Alice up to receive him. The usual bedtime in the house was nine o'clock, and it was but ten minutes past the hour, but Alice looked displeased and stern. "'They are late, lad,' said she shortly. "'I'm sorry. It's a long way from me, uncles, and I think clocks are different,' said he, taking out his watch to compare it with the round moon's face that told the time to Alice. "'I know naught about my uncles, but they are late. Take that candle and be gone.' If Alice made any reply to Philip's good-night... He did not hear it. End of chapter 7